0: People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos is brought to you by founditemclothing.com Check out their Cthulhu slippers and cool cult film t-shirts. Edited and produced by D.B. Spitzer. Featuring Sarah Fee and D.B. Spitzer. Music by Kevin McLeod. PGTTCM is part of the Dark Myths Network. Check out all the cool podcasts that we like at Darkmyths.org. Subscribe where you subscribe. Like where you like. Rate where you rate. We recommend Podbean.com and Apple Podcasts as well. Find PGTTCM on social media at PGTTCM and on YouTube at People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. If you want to donate, go to the patron button on pgtcm.podbean.com or paypal.me slash pgttcm all donations receive an on-air congratulations shop at pgttcm.threadless.com or pgttcm.com at the shop pgttcm is an exploration of the cthulhu mythos weird fiction the gothic literary tradition classic sci-fi fantasy and horror thank you on with the show
1: Recorded by Nicole Doolan on the web at NicoleDoolin.com Recorded by Nicole Doolan on the web at nicoledoolan.com The Turn of the Screw by Henry James Chapter 23 Oh, more or less. I fancy my smile was pale. Not absolutely. We shouldn't like that, I went on. "'No, I suppose we shouldn't. "'Of course, we have the others.' "'We have the others. "'We have indeed the others,' I concurred. "'Yet, even though we have them,' he returned, "'still with his hands in his pockets, "'and planted there in front of me, "'they don't much count, do they? "'I made the best of it, but I felt wane.' It depends on what you call much. Yes, with all accommodation. Everything depends. On this, however, he faced to the window again and presently reached it with his vague, restless, cogitating step. He remained there a while, with his forehead against the glass, in contemplation of the stupid shrubs I knew and the dull things of November. I had always my hypocrisy of work, behind which now I gained the sofa, steadying myself with it there, as I had repeatedly done, at those moments of torment that I have described as the moments of my knowing the children to be given to something from which I was barred. I sufficiently obeyed my habit of being prepared for the worst, but an extraordinary impression dropped on me, "'as I extracted a meaning from the boy's embarrassed back. "'None other than the impression that I was not barred now. "'This inference grew in a few minutes to sharp intensity, "'and seemed bound up with the direct perception "'that it was positively he who was. "'The frames and squares of the great window "'were a kind of image, for him, of a kind of failure.' I felt that I saw him, at any rate, shut in or shut out. He was admirable, but not comfortable. I took it in with a throb of hope. Wasn't he looking, through the haunted pain, for something he couldn't see? And wasn't it the first time in the whole business that he had known such a lapse? The first, the very first... I found it a splendid portent. It made him anxious, though he watched himself. He had been anxious all day, and, even while in his usual sweet little manner, he sat at table, had needed all his small strange genius to give it a gloss. When he at last turned round to meet me, it was almost as if this genius had succumbed. Well... I think I'm glad Bly agrees with me. You would certainly seem to have seen these twenty four hours a good deal more of it than for some time before. I hope, I went on bravely, that you've been enjoying yourself. Oh, yes. I've been ever so far, all round about, miles and miles away. I've never been so free. He had really a manner of his own, and I could only try to keep up with him. "'Well, do you like it?' He stood there, smiling. Then at last he put into two words. "'Do you?' More discrimination than I had ever heard two words contain. Before I had time to deal with that, however... He continued, as if with a sense that this was an impertinence to be softened. "'Nothing could be more charming than the way you take it. "'For, of course, if we're alone together now, "'it's you that are alone most.' "'But I hope,' he threw in, "'you don't particularly mind.' "'Having to do with you?' I asked. "'My dear child, how can I help minding, "'though I've renounced all claim to your company?' You're so beyond me. I at least greatly enjoy it. What else should I stay on for? He looked at me more directly, and the expression of his face, graver now, struck me as the most beautiful I had ever found in it. You stay on just for that? Certainly. I stay on as your friend, and from the tremendous interest I take in you, Jill, something can be done for you. That may be more worth your while. That needn't surprise you. My voice trembled so that I felt it impossible to suppress the shake. Don't you remember how I told you, when I came and sat on your bed the night of the storm, that there was nothing in the world I wouldn't do for you? Yes, yes. He, on his side, more and more visibly nervous, had a tone to master. But he was so much more successful than I that, laughing out through his gravity, he could pretend we were pleasantly jesting. Only that, I think, was to get me to do something for you. It was partly to get you to do something, I conceded. But, you know, you didn't do it. Oh, yes, he said with the brightest superficial eagerness. You wanted me to tell you something. That's it. Out, straight out. What you have on your mind, you know. Ah, then, is that what you stayed over for? He spoke with a gaiety through which I could still catch the finest little quiver of resentful passion. "'but I can't begin to express the effect upon me "'of an implication of surrender even so faint. "'It was as if what I had yearned for "'had come, at last, only to astonish me. "'Well, yes. "'I may as well make a clean breast of it. "'It was precisely for that. "'He waited so long that I supposed it "'for the purpose of repudiating the assumption— "'on which my action had been founded. "'But what he finally said was, "'Do you mean now? "'Here? "'There couldn't be a better place or time?' "'He looked round him uneasily, "'and I had the rare, oh, the queer, "'impression of the very first symptom I had seen in him, "'of the approach of immediate fear. "'It was as if he were suddenly afraid of me.' which struck me indeed as perhaps the best thing to make him. Yet in the very pang of the effort, I felt it vain to try sternness, and I heard myself the next instant, so gentle as to be almost grotesque. You want so... to go out again? Awfully, he smiled at me heroically. And the touching little bravery of it, "'was enhanced by his actually flushing with pain. "'He had picked up his hat, which he had brought in, "'and stood twirling it in a way that gave me, "'even as I was just nearly reaching port, "'a perverse horror of what I was doing. "'To do it in any way was an act of violence. "'For what did it consist of but the obtrusion of the idea "'of grossness and guilt?' on a small, helpless creature, who had been for me a revelation of the possibilities of beautiful intercourse. Wasn't it base to create for a being so exquisite? A mere alien awkwardness? I suppose I now read into our situation, a clearness it couldn't have had at the time, for I seem to see our poor eyes already lighted, with some spark of a provision of the anguish that was to come. So we circled about with terrors and scruples, like fighters not daring to close. But it was for each other we feared. That kept us a little longer suspended and unbruised. I'll tell you everything, Miles said. I mean, I'll tell you anything you like. You'll stay on with me, and we shall both be all right. And I will tell you, I will. But not now. Why not now? My insistence turned him from me, and kept him once more at his window, in a silence during which, between us, you might have heard a pin drop. Then he was before me again with the air of a person for whom, outside, Someone who had frankly to be reckoned with was waiting. I have to see Luke. I had not yet reduced him to quite so vulgar a lie, and I felt proportionately ashamed. But, horrible as it was, his lies made up my truth. I achieved, thoughtfully, a few loops of my knitting. Well then, go to Luke, and I'll wait for what you promise. Only... In return for that, satisfy, before you leave me, one very much smaller request. He looked as if he felt he had succeeded enough to be able still a little to bargain. Very much smaller? Yes, a mere fraction of the whole. Tell me. Oh, my work preoccupied me, and I was offhand. If, yesterday afternoon from the table in the hall you took you know my letter on the web at nicoledulen.com the turn of the screw by henry james chapter 24 my sense of how he received this suffered for a minute from something that i can describe only as a fierce split of my attention A stroke that at first, as I sprang straight up, reduced me to the mere blind movement of getting hold of him, drawing him close, and, while I just fell for support against the nearest piece of furniture, instinctively keeping him with his back to the window, the appearance was full upon us that I had already had to deal with here. Peter Quint had come into view, like a sentinel before a prison. The next thing I saw was that, from outside, he had reached the window, and then I knew that, close to the glass and glaring in through it, he offered once more to the room his white face of damnation. It represents but grossly what took place within me at the sight. To say that on the second my decision was made, Yet I believe that no woman so overwhelmed, ever, in so short a time, recovered her grasp of the act. It came to me in the very horror of the immediate presence, that the whole act would be, seeing and facing what I saw and faced, to keep the boy himself unaware. The inspiration, I can call it by no other name, was that I felt how voluntarily, how transcendently, I might. It was like fighting with a demon for a human soul, and when I had fairly so appraised it, I saw how the human soul, held out in the tremor of my hands, at arm's length, had a perfect dew of sweat on a lovely childish forehead. The face that was close to mine was as white as the face against the glass and out of it presently came a sound not low nor weak but as if from much further away that I drank like a waft of fragrance yes I took it at this with a moan of joy I enfolded I drew him close And while I held him to my breast, where I could feel in the sudden fever of his little body the tremendous pulse of his little heart, I kept my eyes on the thing at the window and saw it move and shift its posture. I have likened it to a sentinel, but its slow wheel, for a moment, was rather the prowl of a baffled beast. My present quickened courage however, was such that not too much to let it through. I had to shade, as it were, my flame. Meanwhile, the glare of the face was again at the window. The scoundrel fixed as if to watch and wait. It was the very confidence that I might now defy him, as well as the positive certitude by this time of the child's unconsciousness that made me go on what did you take it for to see what you said about me you opened the letter i opened it my eyes were now as i held him off a little again on miles's own face in which the collapse of mockery showed me how complete was the ravage of uneasiness what was prodigious was that at last by my success his sense was sealed and his communication stopped. He knew that he was in presence, but knew not of what, and knew still less that I also was, and that I did know. And what did this strain of trouble matter when my eyes went back to the window, only to see that the air was clear again, and, by my personal triumph, The influence quenched. There was nothing there. I felt that the cause was mine, and that I should surely get all. And you found nothing. I let my elation out. He gave the most mournful, thoughtful little headshake. Nothing. Nothing, nothing. I almost shouted in my joy. Nothing, nothing, he sadly repeated. I kissed his forehead. It was drenched. So what have you done with it? I've burned it. Burned it? It was now or never. Is that what you did at school? Oh, what this brought up. At School? Did you take letters? Or other things? Other things? He appeared now to be thinking of something far off, and that reached him only through the pressure of his anxiety. Yet it did reach him. Did I steal? I felt myself redden to the roots of my hair, as well as wonder if it were more strange... To put to a gentleman such a question, or to see him take it, without allowances, that gave the very distance of his fall in the world. Was it for that you mightn't go back? The only thing he felt was rather a dreary little surprise. Did you know I mightn't go back? I know everything. He gave me at this the longest and strangest look. Everything? "'Everything.' "'Therefore, did you?' "'But I couldn't say it again. Miles could. Very simply. "'No, I didn't steal.' "'My face must have shown him I believed him utterly. "'Yet my hands, but it was for pure tenderness, "'shook him as if to ask him why. "'If it was all for nothing, he had condemned me to months of torment.' What then did you do? He looked in vague pain all round the top of the room, and drew his breath, two or three times over, as if with difficulty he might have been standing at the bottom of the sea and raising his eyes to some faint green twilight. Well, I said things. Only that? They thought it was enough. To turn you out for? Never truly had a person turned out shown so little to explain it as this little person. He had appeared to weigh my question, but in a manner quite detached and almost helpless. Well, I suppose I oughtn't. But to whom did you say them? He evidently tried to remember, but it dropped. He had lost it. I don't know. He almost smiled at me in the desolation of his surrender, which was indeed practically by this time so complete that I ought to have left it there. But I was infatuated. I was blind with victory, though even then the very effect that was to have brought him so much nearer was already that of added separation. "'Was it to everyone?' I asked. "'No, it was only to—' "'But he gave a sick little headshake. "'I don't remember their names.' "'Were they then so many?' "'No, only a few. "'Those I liked.' "'Those he liked? "'I seemed to float not into clearness, but into a darker obscure—' And within a minute, there had come to me, out of my very pity, the appalling alarm of his being perhaps innocent. It was for the instant confounding and bottomless. For if he were innocent, what then on earth was I? Paralyzed while it lasted, by the mere brush of the question, I let him go a little, so that... With a deep-drawn sigh, he turned away from me again, which, as he faced toward the clear window, I suffered, feeling that I had nothing now there to keep him from. And did they repeat what you said? I went on after a moment. He was at some distance from me, still breathing hard and again with the air, though now without anger for it of being confined against his will. Once more, as he had done before, he looked up at the dim day as if, of what had hitherto sustained him, nothing was left but an unspeakable anxiety. "'Oh, yes,' he nevertheless replied. "'They must have repeated them.' "'To those they liked,' he added.' "'There was, somehow, less of it than I had expected. "'But I turned it over. "'And these things came round?' "'To the masters?' "'Oh, yes,' he answered very simply. "'But I didn't know they'd tell.' "'The masters? They didn't. "'They've never told. That's why I ask you.' "'He turned to me again, his little beautiful fevered face.' "'Yes, it was too bad. Too bad? What I suppose I sometimes said. To write home.' "'I can't name the exquisite pathos of the contradiction given to such a speech by such a speaker. I only know that the next instant I heard myself throw off with homely force. Stuff and nonsense!' About the next after that I must have sounded stern enough. "'What were these things? "'My sternness was all for his judge, his executioner. "'Yet it made him avert himself again. "'And that moment made me, with a single bound "'and an irrepressible cry, spring straight upon him. "'For there again, against the glass.' as if to blight his confession and stay his answer, was the hideous author of our woe, the white face of damnation. I felt a sick swim at the drop of my victory, and all the return of my battle, so that the wildness of my veritable leap only served as a great betrayal. I saw him, from the midst of my act, Meet it with a divination, and on the perception that even now he only guessed, and that the window was still to his own eyes free. I let the impulse flame up to convert the climax of his dismay into the very proof of his liberation. No more! No more! No more! I shrieked, as I tried to press him against me to my visitant. Is she here? Miles panted as he caught with his sealed eyes the direction of my words. Then, as his strange she staggered me, and with a gasp I echoed it. Miss Jessel? Miss Jessel? He, with a sudden fury, gave me back. I seized, stupefied his supposition, some sequel to what we had done to Flora. But this made me only want to show him that it was better still than that. "'It's not, Miss Jessel, but it's at the window, straight before us. "'It's there, the coward horror, there for the last time, at this, "'after a second in which his head made the movement of a baffled dog's on a scent, "'and then gave a frantic little shake for air and light. "'He was at me in a white rage, bewildered, glaring vainly over the place, and missing wholly, though it now, to my sense, filled the room like the taste of poison, the wide, overwhelming presence. "'It's he!' I was so determined to have all my proof that I flashed into ice to challenge him. "'Whom do you mean by he?' Peter Quint, you devil!' his face gave again, round the room, its convulsed supplication. Where? They are in my ear still. His supreme surrender of the name and his tribute to my devotion. What does he matter now, my own? What will he ever matter? I have you. I launched at the beast, but he has lost you forever. Then for the demonstration of my work. "'There, there,' I said to Miles. But he had already jerked straight round, stared, glared again, and seen but the quiet day. With the stroke of the loss I was so proud of, he uttered the cry of a creature hurled over an abyss, And the grasp with which I recovered him might have been that of catching him in his fall. I caught him. Yes. I held him. It may be imagined with what a passion. But at the end of a minute, I began to feel what it truly was that I held. We were alone with the quiet day, and his little heart, dispossessed, had stopped. End of Chapter 24 End of The Turn of the Screw by Henry James Recorded by Nicole Doolan on the web nicoledoolin.com. Thank you for listening.